creating opportunities for brainstorming, for connection. That's what an event is. So I think that the future is really bright for anyone who can take the skills that you have as an event professional and transfer them into this new model we have of working. And that's really similar for events actually too, right? So a hybrid event, however that looks, whatever configuration it is, as long as you're connecting people in some way meaningfully, and as long as you're creating space and opportunity for them to brainstorm new ideas and talk about innovation and things that are harder to do via email or online. I think those are the keys to successful participation from a virtual and in-person perspective. I love the idea of connection and ideation as the main drivers for putting meeting on the calendar. I'm going to have to put that somewhere down and be like, if this meeting is not for creating community or ideation, please keep me out of it. Thank you. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by TreeFan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trafan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Events Demystify Podcast, your one-stop shop for tangible, technical, and planning advice for anyone in the events industry. This podcast is brought to you by Trifan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency, and I am your host, Anka Trifan. On the show with me today, I have Anne Nguyen. Head of customer success at Twine. She is also the founder of Spark Event Management, an award-winning full-service event management firm, and the Spark Event Collective, a network of independent event planners that were collaborating and are collaborating to deliver event experiences. And is a seasoned business event professional who possesses over 15 years of event design, production, and management experience. She has managed a vast array of events and is known for her keen eye for detail while being able to lead, inspire, and manage large global teams. A fun fact about Anne, she started a group called Event Profs Breakshed, and I'd love to learn more about that. And that's how she got her current job in the event tech. You can learn more about Anne by following the links in the episode notes. But in the meantime, let's welcome our guest in. Welcome to the podcast. And how bad did I mess up with the last name? Be honest. <laughs> you, you did really well. You practiced and you listened to the Google pronunciation and you nailed That's it. right. <laughs> I mean, we have tools in 2023. Apparently, even with that, sometimes we still mess up. So it would be a fun conversation to have, you know, about event tech and how this, in spite of all our planning and preparation, things sometimes still don't work as planned. So how fun is that? That's right. That's what I often tell people, you only have a plan so you know how far you've deviated from it. And that's all it's good for, especially day of, right? So Oh, totally. Well, I'm so stoked that you are with me on the air today. Actually, you come highly recommended by my good friend, Julia Soler. And even though we haven't necessarily met in person, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. And to get us started, I was reading your bio and maybe a little bit of stalking on social just to make sure that I have the right person. You never know. And as I was doing a bit of research, there's quite a few interesting things that piqued my attention and my interest. And one of them goes back to the time that we now all have basically PTSD about the 2020 pandemic. And while the rest of us, you know, were pivoting events left and right as fast as we could on such a tight timeline. And I have my own story of how that happened. And there's a whole season that covers just that for anyone that's still curious and wants to go back for whatever reason. I would love to hear 
hear about how you manage at the same time to coordinate successfully and lead this 50 event professionals that were all leaders in their own space and coordinated the Global Medic Industry Day. And I would love to hear more about this initiative because it gave you the title of a trend setter in 2020. And that doesn't come easy, you know, especially when you work with event professionals, they all have different ideas how things should work and how they all have plans and how, I mean, <laughs> yep. we've all got all kinds of agendas when it comes to event planning and how things should be just right. And also as you're doing that, I'm curious to know what drove you to take that initiative and also give us a bit of a snapshot of how you got where you are today and most importantly, what keeps you here? Oh yeah, that's a lot of a lot of questions and a lot to talk about. But uh, I love to give you all the questions at once, so pick and choose whichever you want to start with. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. So I haven't actually talked about GMID goes virtual in a while now because we put sort of like an embargo on talking about it anymore. Because I told Sean and Miguel, who sort of helped me start it, that people were sick of hearing about it. But it's been. <laughs> can be lifted. It's been about almost three years, which is crazy. But it started with uncertainty that I was feeling that everyone in our industry was feeling when the pandemic hit. I think the tweet that went out that started it all was on March 15th or something of 2020. So right in the thick of when we all didn't know if our companies were going to survive, we didn't know if we were canceling all of our client events and what we were all going to do. And I just put out a tweet, I put out a call for help or inspiration or whatever you call it, saying, you know, we're all in this flux and what if for global meetings industry day which we were all planning our own independent global meetings industry day at the time everything getting canceled we were planning our own in-person event that year and a bunch of people just rallied around it a lot of people that were flashing through the screen here as i was watching the intro you know will and miguel and sean and tons of the great guests that you've had on the show they just rallied around the idea and i don't think it was really anything that i did that was you know spectacular by any means other than plant this seed and then the beautiful thing about events is that they're finite in terms of time. So we had the date, it was April 16th or, or whatever it was. So we knew we had one month and that time pressure actually prevented us from sort of spiraling too much. That dynamic that you're talking about where, you know, you have a hundred chefs in the kitchen and everyone has their own ideas and their own agendas and their own way of doing things. The fact that it was a tight timeline and I think everyone was just feeling the same kind of uncertainty really allowed us to rally around this idea of bringing the community, the global community together. And for lots of us, it was like the first virtual event we'd ever planned. And we had to learn a lot and figure it out. But we did. And I think the secret to the success of all of that was just letting people take the piece of it that they were passionate about and running with it and not actually ironically having too, too much of a plan, right? So Miguel, as you know, now the editor over at Skift Meetings is brilliant at content and curating design of programming. And so he just took that piece and ran with it. And we had folks who were specialized in marketing and promotions and communications and social media. And they just took that piece and ran with it. Rachel from Snowball Events kind of took the viral marketing lead and everyone just put their skills to good use. And it kind of just came together. And I think about it often, like, could we do it again now? Likely not. Everyone was just in such a different mindset at that time frame, whether it was fear motivated and just looking for community and looking for others going through the same thing. And that bonded us at the time. I think it was just the right time, the right place at the right time kind of moment with the right group of people who just wanted to do something sort of positive at the time. So we look back on it fondly, but yeah, hard to believe it was almost three years ago. So we haven't talked about it in a long time <laughs> for sure but i love that it kind of sets the stage for the type of person that you are as an event professional that take initiatives like that because the reality is unless somebody steps up and steps to the plate a lot of ideas don't happen and don't get to be translated into action you need to have someone to actually take the action first so i wanted to set the stage for that and now coming to the questions that or the follow-up questions to that is what brought you to this place where you would even have you know the courage to do that or the bravery or the desire to be involved you know with handling something of that nature 
Yeah. So I always tell people the first thing to do when you have an idea is buy the domain. If you buy the domain, it actually, you know, tongue in cheek, I own a lot of domains, but it sort of makes the idea a little bit more tangible because all of a sudden you have this URL, you own this domain. And that's what we did right off the bat is just over the weekend decided we'd buy the domain and see what happened from there. And I think it just is in nature of most event planners, right? To when in a room lacking of someone to give some direction, we're all very good at being putting our hand up and being the person that says, I don't really know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what steps one to 99 are, but I know I need to get to 100 and we'll figure it out as we go, right? And that's such a brilliant skill set that most event planners have is we don't always have to see all of the steps, but we see the final destination and we know that we can persevere and MacGyver things together and pull the right pieces into place to get to where we need to go. So I think if you sit there and wait for all of the steps of your path to be clear, you'll never start, right? So just start. And most of the time you'll figure it out and get there. And the result might not be exactly what you would have done if you could go back and do it again, but it usually gets you there. For sure. Now let's put the spotlight on you, Anne, because you're trying to like navigate away from that. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let you go until you tell me who is Anne Nguyen and what is it that drives you still in this industry? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I would say the one piece that has been consistent throughout my career from, you know, when I first started in this industry to now is my desire and belief that when people come together and now I believe whether that's virtually or in person, really great things happen. So from the very first day of remembering like my brother's seventh birthday party, when I would have been eight, I much more enjoyed organizing his birthday party and bossing his friends around and sort of creating that experience rather than have my own birthday party, right? So from a very young age, I've always believed in the power of convening humans. And I've been fortunate throughout my career to see a number of amazing things transpire from two people who met at a conference, or they had a moment at an event in the lobby bar or the elevator or the, you know, networking reception, and they go on to either create something cool create a business, invent something, cure something. Or the really cool thing is being able to change the way someone sees a certain issue or a certain topic because you were able to have a conversation with them. So mm -hmm. I've always believed in the power of bringing people together. And I didn't know that event planning was an industry you could go into and make a full-time career out of it. I have a degree in operations management and, you know, I was going to go be a business analyst and consultant. And I fell into event planning like many of us do by accident because it was something I was passionate about. So I volunteered in college or in university to do event planning. And that's eventually what led me on into my career. But it's always the fundamental belief that like when two people, two humans sit down and talk to each other, whether that's online or in person, really only good things can come out of it if the space around them is designed and created intentionally to foster that kind of connection, right? So I've seen that happen time and time again over the last 15, 20 years. That'll always just be a common thread with in my career of what I'm doing, even carrying over to what we do at Twine, right? That's a founding principle of what our software does. So does that answer the question? I, I will go with that for now. All right. You have a hard bargain. I love this idea of, you know, creating community. And with that, one of the things that I'm most passionate about creating a space for belonging for anyone that just doesn't fit the mold or doesn't fit within one box or category or whatever. And your purpose sounds like is fulfilled when you are able to bring people together to do great things and create opportunities for positive change. And I can be more honored to get behind something like that because it is something that I lead with in my own space and my own niche. And I love when I meet people and event professionals that have the same passion. Now, I would love to hear on a personal and also professional level as well, how has this passion modeled or how are you practically modeling it personally, professionally, whatever, how, which direction you want to take it? Sure. Yeah, there's lots of ways. And in the last three years, I think we've all realized how intertwined, no pun intended, personal and professional lives can be, 
right? Like I'm sitting in my home recording this for you, which three years ago would have been kind of odd, but I'm wearing slippers, right? (laughs) And you sort of have seen over the last three years, those lines really blur. And one of the ways that I think we've really built on that is through the work that I'm doing at the collective. So the Spark Event Collective, where exactly like you said, breaking the mold. So the Spark Event Collective is a network of independent planners. And right now it's all female. And that's not actually by design or intention, but it's just the audience that this message resonates with the most is that I don't believe that the way we work should fit around our lives. Like I, sorry, I don't believe that the way we live should fit around our work. I believe it should be the other way around. So we have designed an essentially a system where independent planners work under our brand and we bring in projects and contracts and then they take on work when and if they choose whatever fits their life, right? So we have planners who take on one project a year because they're raising a young family and they just need like an extra income. And then we have single moms who are working for us pretty much full time on contracts because this is their main gig. And we've started building this really cool community of really unique event planners there from all over North America. And the idea that just because we've always done something the way someone has told us that you have to go into an office and work nine to five and have one job and be there 40 hours a week doesn't mean that that's how we have to do it forever, right? And the pandemic was such a great catalyst for change in terms of looking at the way we work and the way we connect distributed and remote teams and all of that stuff that the collective is really founded on my fundamental beliefs that just because we've always done things the way we were doing them shouldn't be how they continue forever and that the power of community is really strong. So that word that you use, like the belonging word is really powerful because when you feel like you belong to something greater than just yourself, whether it's a community or an organization, you can accomplish some really cool things, right? So we've founded this organization based on those principles and all of those principles also trickle through our work at Twine, right? Like Twine is a, it's a platform, it's a software product, but it's rooted in the belief that technology can bring people closer together through conversation, through facilitated discussion, through different ways of connecting. And so those principles really, they trickle through all aspects of my career and my professional life. And the collective was founded on personal experience that I had raising my daughter while trying to run a company, right? And that's when I really understood that the way that we work, I think is broken, uh, especially for women, especially for women with young children who are trying to balance it all and deal with the mom guilt that there has to be a better way for us to mm-hmm. go through life without yeah. feeling all the guilt and all of the stress that oftentimes falls on the women. And I know that, you know, probably that's never going to be something that we completely get rid of because no. even in a perfect situation, circumstance where we truthfully figure out a way to balance it so well, there's still going to be a degree of that. It's, you know, it's something that as moms, you know, we will always strive to want to do better or spend more time here or spend more time here here or there and especially with our children but it's also at the expense of something else and especially if you're driven then the problem becomes even larger and bigger because you're like how can I divide myself to be in all these places and spaces without breaking apart or like everything is just so balancing so lightly that it has to be perfectly managed all the time and it's yeah it's a juggle for sure now I know that you mentioned right in the beginning as we were talking about you know the event collective how you started this other initiative which was event professionals break shit and i'm super curious about this because i think i've seen it like pop up in my linkedin feed a few times and yeah tell us more about that I own a lot of domains, I told you, right? <laughs> I constantly come up with some good ideas, some not great ideas, but they all have a domain. So ask me about some of the things that didn't work. But yeah, Van Brown's Break Shit was a, a sort of tongue-in-cheek passion project that changed the trajectory of my career like I didn't expect it to. So when the pandemic happened, event planners were sort of inundated with all sorts of different event tech companies promising us things, wanting to show us demos, and buying software was new for a lot of us, right? So I just started getting really annoyed with how it software was being sold to us, especially at a time when we were all just like running around with our heads cut off, like trying to figure out what was even happening. So it came about because there was a software company that said that they could do a certain thing for a certain number of people. And I had emailed them and said, you know, I'm looking for something for my client and tell me what the capacities are. And typical, very typical software company, they were like, it's unlimited and sign up 
for this demo and we'll show you and then we'll tell you how much it costs. And I said, well, that's really annoying. So I tweeted again, like I need some friends to come help me test this platform. And I think 70 or 80 people showed up and we broke the thing. Like it, it was <laughs> unlimited. It couldn't handle that capacity. And so there was sort of this running hashtag and joke that a group of event planners had broken this software. <laughs> and so the idea came, so me, Miguel and Sean Chang, there's something here, right? It brings together the power of the event planning community. And we had to go do something that's sort of scary and new for us together, which is always better. And it's offering these software companies a ton of good feedback and user testing and things that they would oftentimes pay for. So we sort of married it all together. And Twine was actually Lawrence Coburn. My boss now was the first software company that put up their hand and was like, yeah, we'll let you come and like break our product in exchange. You're going to give us a bunch of feedback and you're going to get 60 or 70 event prof eyeballs on our product. And so we did it. And so brave of Twine to be the first to put up their hands to do that, right? Because we're a very critical audience. As you know, event planners are not, they're nitpicky and they're detail oriented and they pick things apart. And we broke Twine in that iteration too. And we gave them pages and pages and pages of feedback. And that's how my relationship with Twine started. And eventually I joined them because they wanted to have someone with that perspective and with that lens on their team. So once I joined Twine, I had to leave because I sort of could no longer be an objective third party. So I handed it over to Sean and now Sina, who are still running with it. And, you know, there's not a ton of new event tech coming out right now to test, but the concept is still founded in the same beliefs, right? Just because this is the way software has always been sold to us doesn't mean that that's how it has to stay. And when you bring people together in community, more gets accomplished than if you do it by yourself. So a really common theme and thread in my entire career are those two things, right? Just because that's how it's always been done doesn't mean that that's the way it has to be done and that the power of community is better than one. And if you look at anything that I've sort of started or been involved in or initiated, it's always founded on those two things that I really do believe to my core are true. I love that. So for anyone that's curious how some of the tested broken platforms perform, is there a place, a website, a domain? There's an inventory or a report on any of those platforms at yes. this point? Yes, there is. Sina and Sean have done a great job of keeping that up to date. So eventprofsbreakshit.com is still, as I, far as I know, up and alive and well. And they have a post break report on everything that they've ever tested. So I know that they've done Twine, they did all seated. We did something with swap card. They've done stuff with in Gameo. So lots of platforms during the peak of virtual events and, and software companies sort of coming out in full force, they were busy and tested quite a few and uh, software companies started paying them to for the service, right? So right now, as we're talking about it, event tech and virtual event technology is sort of uncertain where the future of that's going to land. So not a ton of demand in terms of new software to test right now, but it's still there. And I think the concept is sound and might be a new way for people to purchase software, right? Especially in a hybrid context, I mean, I can see so many different ways in which you can break it again, because for me, 2022 has definitely been a lot of hybrid event production, execution of events. And let me tell you, you try to marry the in-person with the virtual and a lot of platforms do not rise to the demand because there's a lot of details and a lot of ways of doing things that can interfere with what the thought was behind the platform in the first place. So if you're not prepared for it, there's ways to break it left and right and sadly on the day of the event is not the day when you want to do that <laughs> it's right and there's only so much you can test before a live event right and what was great about event props break shit is we designed a live event and people came and then you executed it in a safe sort of environment because there's just you're right little nitpicky things or one setting here that you don't realize until it goes live that i can't turn that on once it's live or you know those types of things that you don't want to discover the day of an event when your client is looking over your shoulder and you're getting paid to do that. It was a really safe environment to test all that. And we'd let people take over admin control, right? And we'd let people try different things. And it was sort of 
like a, a science lab where it was safe to tinker with things. And if it broke, it broke, but there was nothing high stakes in terms of clients or, you know, participants or things like that. But you're right. You don't want to discover that the day of the event after you've thought through everything and you find one tiny thing that messes up your whole production, right? Absolutely. And since we touched on, you know, hybrid events and live events, the reality is that the cost of putting of an in-person event is days with a hybrid element, whatever that might look like. You know, the cost is really spiraling out of control. And as far as we're concerned in 2023, I see that as being a huge factor when it comes to deciding whether or not people should have, you know, an event or attend an event in person. Now, for anyone listening, because we mentioned Twine, and I would love to hear your perspective on this. Like, for example, if I'm working in a home office, escaping to an event for a few days, it's actually something that I am considering more than I was before because it gives me the ability to go out and network and not just be, you know, inside my office all the time. But for someone that's actually working maybe back to an office, that might not be as attractive. So I'd love to hear from you, what are some of the trends that you are seeing when it comes to hybrid or remote workforce that event planners should pay attention to in 2023? Yeah, great question and million dollar question for sure, right? Like we at Twine follow the remote work trends really closely. That's the majority of our clients are event and experience design folks who are using Twine to connect remote teams, so internal event planners. And what we're starting to see is a real leveling out of a hybrid work week. So two to three days a week, they're asking people to come into the office or work from home based on a schedule. And I think the overarching trend, which actually also I think applies to events, a little bit harder to do because like you said, of budget constraints is flexibility and personalization, right? And you like to travel to certain events because you don't want to be stuck at home all day. There's certain people who never want to be stuck at home because they have young kids or pets or family or whatever at home. There's some people who want to be home all the time. And what organizations are still experimenting and struggling with is what is that mix, right? Some organizations are like, it's totally up to the individual. You decide when you're going to come in, you decide when you're going to work at home, or it's totally remote and you decide where you're going to be. But I think the majority of our organizations are having to find a mix of some sort of hybrid work week. And so then I think where event planners can really come in to value and should be focusing is if you're going to ask someone to come into the office, it best not be to sit on a Zoom call all day, right? Like if you're going to make someone commute and give up time with their family and park and all of that stuff, organizations that are succeeding at this hybrid work model are finding ways to connect people when they're in the office. So whether that's creating space that is lends itself to collaboration and lends itself to more brainstorming and decision-making things that are harder to do online or experiences when people are there. So whether that's more intentional meetings or events or experience opportunities for people, the organizations that are really succeeding with, I'll say, use the word lure, but that's a terrible word, like luring people back into the office. The, the organizations that are really successful at making it enticing to come back to the office are being very intentional about what happens in those two or three days when you do come back to the office. Is it your whole team is there? Is it there's a lot? Is it social? And one of our organizations that we work with, they say we keep two types of meetings on the calendars in-person meetings. So whether it is for connection, forming human connection, getting to know people, not talking about work, whether it's social or more deep conversations or ideation, right? So thinking of new ideas, brainstorming, things that are really hard to do online. If it's not one of those things, then just keep your meeting remote, keep it asynchronous, whatever. And organizations that are really intentional about that are seeing a lot more success in the hybrid work model. And I think event planners are really good at those are things that we're good at, right? Creating opportunities for brainstorming, for connection. That's what an event is. So I think that the future is really bright for anyone who can take the skills that you have as an event professional and transfer them into this new model we have of working. And that's really similar for events actually too, right? So a hybrid event, however that looks, whatever configuration it is, as long as you're connecting people in some way meaningfully, and as long as you're creating space and opportunity for them to brainstorm new ideas, ideas and talk about innovation and things that are harder to do via email or online. I think those are the keys to successful participation from a virtual and in-person perspective. 
I love the idea of connection and ideation as the main drivers for putting meeting on the calendar. I'm going to have to put that somewhere down and be like, if this meeting is not for creating community or ideation, please keep me out of it. Thank you. Yeah, that comes that comes from Annie Dean, who is used to be at Meta, and now she's the head of Team Anywhere at Atlassian. So her entire team is dedicated to creating sort of vibrant remote work culture for that team. So that comes straight from her sort of pillars of their how they operate. So yeah, and events is actually another big pillar of their principles on remote teams and how they can empower anyone in the organization to host an event at any time, whether that's like a five person lunch with your team or a big team conference. They really see events as a big part of how they keep their remote team connected. I love that. Well, and hold that thought because we're going to take a brief moment to acknowledge our podcast sponsor and be right back to continue this fascinating conversation. So don't go anywhere and we'll be right back. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. Coming back to our conversation today with our featured guest, An Nguyen, Head of Customer Success at Twine, also event management, event agency, and event tech company that she started. And I'm super excited to talk to her about event professional baking shit, which we have touched on a little earlier. I would love to hear from you, Anne, as we're entering a new year, because again, there's going to be, I feel like, an onslaught of content regarding event trends and what event professionals should pay attention to and what are then some of the maybe new technologies in 2023 that we should watch for? Yeah, isn't that the million dollar question? Hey, I saw somewhere they thought you should take the trends that someone predicted at the beginning of the year and see how many of them were accurate by the end of the year. And I think Dahlia said it in a LinkedIn post where she was like, these aren't really trends. They're just like evolutions of certain principles that we start to see, right? But yeah, people love trends lists and I never understood why, but. I eventually stopped with that. Like, I think after 2021, I'm like, yeah, I think we're done with the trends. We're going to create them as we go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, my answer to that question is, I'll say I'm abstract. I think that there's certain core principles of event planning that have evolved over the last few years, but some things that remain really solid. And and for us as a business at Spark, foundationally is to be intentional about design, right? So I listened to the episode you had to hear, and she's the queen of intentional event design. Event design has changed drastically in terms of what technologies and what software and format it takes, but the fundamental principle of it hasn't really changed, right? It's like you look at the people that you want at your event and you look at how you want their behaviors to change from before they enter your event to after. And that, regardless of whether there's 900 cameras live streaming it, you know, all over the internet to it's a 10 person corporate retreat, that fundamental principle is the same. So we always sit down and talk to our clients, regardless of what they think buzzwords of AI and metaverse and all of that stuff. It's really like what the core behavioral change that you're hoping to drive with your event and designing it with your content, right? And then the second one, like content is still the piece of the product that you're selling, whatever the content is for your event, whether that's what attendees are doing when they get there, or the speakers at the event. And content, of course, is undergoing all sorts of iterations right now and evolutions as we sit and look at what AI is doing to our content. As we get into 2023, who knows where that whole 
whole trend is going to go. But what you're offering to your attendees in terms of learnings or networking. And again, it goes back to like, are people coming to this event to connect? Are they coming to this event to ideate and brainstorm something? Are they coming to this event to learn? Being really clear on that message is key. And whether that content's generated by a robot or by the top trending speaker of 2023 or whatever that is, those things will come and go. I think that those fads will come and go, but design content where event planners really come in is tying that all together in terms of creating that experience, right? So now I create all of my events online because I work for a software company. So everything I do is virtual. Everything I do is online, but the principles and the steps that I go through are the same. What do I want to create? Who is this for? How am I going to share this content, this experience. And then it's all of the nitty gritty things that create that environment for this stuff to thrive in, right? So whether that's making sure all the tech is working, whether that's making sure that the space is designed and the flow is thought through, I really think those things are all consistent and have been consistent since I started planning events 15 years ago, right? And how much has it all evolved in terms of technology and different ways to set up a room and different kinds of lighting and all of that stuff that is just the evolution of our tools. I think the fundamentals are still the same. I think the trends that you hear in lists are just tools evolving. Our tool belt is evolving, but our fundamental pillars and bricks and stones of what we do have always stayed the same. And I think we sometimes as event planners, maybe the skill you need is a little bit of filtering and not getting too wrapped up in like, okay, now I have to go learn how to like write, generate AI content, like not getting too pulled away from the fundamentals of what we do by the flashiness of everything that's out there. And you sort of saw that in the pandemic of, okay, I'll have to learn how to use these platforms and we got to learn about the metaverse and we got to learn about augmented reality and all of that stuff can just be a real distraction if those fundamental principles of your event design aren't there. I love this image that you created in my mind of wearing this tool belt, you know, that yes, we keep adding things to it. So a couple of things that come to my mind is one, we all know how the tool belt hooks onto our waist, right? Like we all wear it, right? Now, how well we wear it is also a matter of how strong we are, right? Because like, for example, the more stuff you add to it, the heavier it becomes. So keeping yourself in a place where mentally and physically and emotionally, you can tackle all the challenges that come with all these new tools that keep adding to your tool belt. I think it's also important. And with that, I would love to segue because into this other topic that it's very important and close to me because especially in the new season for this year, wellness for events, wellness for event professionals, wellness as a way to incorporate it in our workflow and in our remote offices or in-office offices. I would love to hear your thoughts about how we can do that better, especially at events, either in a workplace or even personally, what are some ways in which you keep yourself healthy and well and away from burnout? Because one thing that I've learned, especially in 2022, is burnout is something that is all always lurking on the horizon. And especially in an environment where things are happening super fast and we're all like unsure, like, should I say yes? Should I say no? Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. The events have been like here and there and nowhere and sometimes everywhere. It's been hard to manage all of that and balance it well in a way that we take care of ourselves so we can take care of them, right? Like putting your mask on before you try to attempt to say someone else next to you. So coming back to the question with wellness in mind, what are some tips that you've managed to incorporate in your own lifestyle to keep yourself, you know, at the highest level of performance while juggling and managing everything, including personal life, right? I mean, being a mom, being a business owner, being all the things, event professional, there's a lot of things to juggle. Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm terrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wrong person to ask next. I I don't know if our industry is just tuned that way. But maybe this is not a thing you can learn from someone else's experience. Maybe you have to go through it before you learn it. But I hit rock bottom in terms of burnout and poorly juggling things to the point where it has cost me certain personal relationships through all of this, right? And the pandemic gave us a little bit of a pause, but it actually didn't feel like that much of a pause because we had to go and figure out what's next, what's new, what else do I need to add to my tool belt? And I wish that people could just learn from other people's experiences, but sometimes I think you have to sort of go through this. And as a society, I think 
I tweeted really late last year, like if we're so looking forward to like the week that you have off between Christmas and New Year's because you need it to not burn out, we probably should be looking at what we are doing the other 51 weeks of the year, right? Like a break like that should be a bonus on your schedule, not a necessity to not burn out. But we're wired as sort of ambitious, driven, A-type people. We don't want to let other people down. We want to create joy and happiness for others. And sometimes I think that mix of DNA makes it almost impossible for us not to burn out. And until we burn out, sometimes you don't learn the lesson, right? And there's tons of great people out there that put out great content about balance and balancing. Like Catherine Frankson comes to mind. She puts out amazing content. I'm not the person. And then I'll be 100% honest, right? Like I would fall much more in the category of I don't want to know. I don't know when to say no to things. I have terrible work and life boundaries. And I've hit that moment of, okay, well, this is as far as you can stretch yourself and something falls apart, a project fails or a relationship fails, or, you know, you drop the ball on something. And the best analogy I've ever heard of this is where you have glass balls in your life and plastic balls in your life, and you're going to drop some balls, but just make sure they're not the glass ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And coming from someone who has dropped glass balls, it's hard to recover from. Right. So I don't know. I would love to dig into this with someone that's got it figured out. I certainly don't. I think part of the collective is the belief that you shouldn't have to choose between life and work and, and the ability to support each other. So I'll tell you a quick story that one of our planners is a single mom. She has a teenage son. And when she has to go out of town for work, her mom comes to watch her son, as many of us when you're on your own rely on your parents. And the week before she was supposed to come out to Alberta to plan an event, her son got sick, and then her mom got COVID. So her entire support network just fell apart, right? But because she was part of this community, we were able to bring in a different planner to run and execute the event. And if she was by herself as an independent entrepreneur, she wouldn't have been able to do that. And I've certainly been in a spot where I had to choose between a professional commitment that I made over the well being of myself, my partner, my child, and that's just not a place that anyone should ever have to get to, but we do get to it. And I think it's all personal learning on what your boundaries are and when to say no, maybe 2023 is the year you start saying no to things. But you're also right that we've gone through a pretty traumatizing couple of years where you don't know if the work is always going to be guaranteed. So that's hard to do. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. Honestly, sometimes the answer is that like just that it's a work in progress is a way of figuring out how do I set better boundaries for myself? How do I take care of myself first and then take care of the ones that rely on me? And personally, for me, it's been a journey, especially 2022, because of course, on top of all the things that I was doing and all the traveling and raising a family and trying to manage all of those things, I'm also deciding to do a bodybuilding competition. And when I get into something, I'm not just going to do it for the sake of doing it. I'm in it to win it. So (laughs) incorporating, you know, a very rigid workout routine on top of all the traveling and not just the workout routine that takes like three hours a day, but we're talking about nutrition and being uh, mindful of like how I spend my energy. That's when I realized, okay, I do happen to like to stretch my capacity as far (laughs) as it can go and then decide, okay, this is when things break or this is when I've reached the next level, like I level up into my next version of myself. I do feel like I've definitely reached some levels of where I was okay. I think now I know where my limit is. And personally, I think every single one of us needs to figure out that for themselves because what works for me might not work for the person next to me, right? Like my life is nowhere close to yours or nowhere, you know, identical with how you're dealing with what you're dealing with and the support system. So important, like having been on my own for 20 years with no family support whatsoever. Let me tell you, if I do not have a friend and a network of supporters around me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because yep. by myself, there's no possible way in which you raise small children, you have a family, you build a business, and then on top of that, do all the other things, you know. And I think those are the places where we can all grow more in learning from each other. And that's the reason why for me, I'm passionate about finding out how different event professionals are, you know, balancing all those, like you said, glass, <laughs> plastic balls in the air, because there's ways for us to learn from other people's experiences if we're willing to. And I don't want to always have to learn the lesson the hard way. I do happen to learn lessons the hard way most of the time, but 
how much time would it save me if I did it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's such a good point, right? Where you're so community asking for help, being willing to learn from other people, people like you that create a forum for people like me to share their stories so that other people can learn from it. It all goes towards it. But that's such a great point that like the line where things break is often also times the line where you realize you can level up, right? So it's a fine balance between giving up and boundaries and all of that stuff. And, and it is a work in progress. And the thing I think people love so much about the break at the holiday is everyone takes a break, right? And so if you could just channel that. Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except for the annoying people like us who like continue to work on Boxing Day. Because we have a million projects. Right. <laughs> just waiting. If we, all, if we could all just channel the like, let's calm down energy that comes around the holidays that we just experienced. That might do well for the world, right? Where it's like, pretend that it's the week before Christmas all the time. And just like, <laughs> give people a break if you haven't heard back from them. Or if there's like an email that's gone a couple days without a response. But we sort of perpetuate each other into this. Everything is urgent. And you really just have to be mindful of priorities that are important to you and not get too drawn into the chaos of the world. But it's so hard to do. It's so, so hard to do. And sometimes I just don't think the folks who have find, found total mindfulness and perfect balance and they've given up something right like everyone has to sacrifice something like you said to build whatever life looks like for them and yeah it's a tough topic for sure and one yoga class is not going to balance bring to you right like no but I also feel like personally all the regimented workouts that I sign myself up for and again when I sign up for uh, something I don't know how to quit so I have to finish it <laughs> if I started it and it's been actually saving me so much time therapy and so much therapy money that was totally worth it in the long term. Plus, yeah. I also look the best I've ever looked in yes, you look for decades. So it's like, hmm, check, win, win, win. But yeah. it does come with deciding, okay, what are the things that are important to me? And what are the things that I'm willing to, you know, sacrifice time for? Because if there's time that goes here, it has to come from somewhere. Yeah. So like a good example of that is when I have my daughter all week, I can't go to the gym in the morning, which is when I normally go. So I have to go at 430. But that means she's the last kid to get picked up, right? So there's a dynamic that I have to deal with when I pick her up, yeah. explaining to her, it's important that I go and do this for myself. I know that that means you're the last kid picked up from daycare. And that's all a struggle, right? So you go to the gym yeah. and you feel guilty about not being there. Earlier. Yep. You know, if you don't go to the gym, you're going to feel guilty about because you didn't do it 100%. Yes. 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 So I don't do it every day, but it's finding that balance. And I think maybe where we've gotten to is we think that balance is this perfection utopia where everything is happy. And it just means that like, it's unique, like you said, for yourself. And yeah, I feel like we're the worst critics of ourselves and others. Okay. I remember actually, as I was going through this journey of and honestly, at this point, I'm sleeping four hours a night, and it's on months or no end, because there's the only place I can take some time from just to make right. time for other things, right. And I remember somebody, you know, being like, well, not everybody can afford to spend all this time in the gym. Mm -hmm. And I was like, taken aback. I'm like, I only have 24 hours in the day, like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's like, it's the reality of things. But because I am willing to do this one thing and sacrifice on other things, that's why this is happening. And that's why the transformation is has happened. But we, you can compare your situation to my own mind to yours, you're gonna have to figure out for yourself if that's something that you want. I'm not gonna like give you the recipe of what yeah. what works or didn't, doesn't work for you because I don't know what's in your life or what's happening around you, right? But it's just so weird, like to have that like response of like, well, it sounds like you're gifted with extra time. I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, there's not, for sure, there's something to be said about like certain privilege that some of us have, right? And to be mindful of that. But yeah, it's all just kind of unique to you and your situation where. Someone would look at me and think it's crazy that I go and work out and I'm late to pick up my daughter. And then I look at you and think it's crazy that you don't sleep for more than four hours. Right? But it's all for what Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's uh, come back to our conversation as we're trying to take it to the end here, because we're definitely derailed a little bit in that direction. But I love that because it's a conversation that has to be had. It has to be had even when we don't have all the answers. And the same way how you engage in this initiative of breaking things to make sure that they were 
better when you need them. I feel like it's the same with this conversation where how do we break it apart until we figure out what works and what could be a solution that we can implement to do it better. My next question to you as we're coming to close, because you have been delving into event tech from your vantage point of view, what are some of the known or maybe unknown opportunities for women that would love to pursue a career in that field? Yeah, fantastic question. So I dove into event tech by accident. I certainly wouldn't say I'm like a well braced woman in technology, but I am a woman and I work in technology. So I guess I check off the boxes. I think that the biggest thing is just this self defeatist critic that we talk about the voice in our head that says we can't do it or we're not qualified. My gosh, have I dealt with that over the last two years of sitting in meetings with engineers and product managers and being like, I have no idea what is happening right now, right? And I often think that women worry so much about we have to check off all the boxes before we can sit in the seat versus can we sit in the seat and learn all of the things and check all the boxes while we're in the seat. And most men are totally okay with sitting in a seat they're completely unqualified for, right? Because they'll learn, they'll ask questions, they'll ask for help. And we have such this, it's really tied back to the conversation we just had. We have this sort of preconceived notion that we we have to be perfect and qualified and got everything figured out before we walk into that room. And the team at Twine has been so amazing at reassuring me that you don't have to have all the answers, but like, let's work through how we get there and let's work through how your brain works. And most folks that work in tech want that new perspective. They want that unique lens that only a woman can bring to the table, whether that's about designing software that's softer, that's more humane, that that connects people more. That's a conversation we have at Twine all the time, right? Is how do we design software in service of humanity? Because lots of software that's being designed right now doesn't better the world. And so I have a perspective to share about that. And just to be brave enough to quiet that inner critic that thinks, and my God, my inner critic is very, very loud of you're not qualified to do this. You don't know what you're doing. And many days just like sitting at my computer crying because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Being able yeah. to sort of quiet that voice and just go with it. It's the same thing as we, a good way to tie it back to the top of the show was you might not know like what steps one to 99 look like, but you know, you want to get to that destination and just take the first step. And don't be surprised by how many people actually want to help you get there. They have their own inner critics and they're worried about their own things. And that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned diving into tech, it feeling so unqualified, feeling the most imposter syndrome. And you only feel imposter syndrome because you care about things and because you want to be better, right? So it's that same line of, this is a line where I could give up because it's really hard or on the other side of that line might just be me leveling up and learning something new about software and take it all and in. And about yourself, like challenging yourself to you know, stick with it when it feels so hard and impossible. And I love, you know, how open you are about that because I feel like a lot of us, we all struggle with a level of imposter syndrome regardless of where we, you know, apply it to and where we're at in what space and place and even season. It might not be all the time, but there's seasons and I, let me tell you, COVID, right? 2020, let's go back to the PTSD nightmare that we lived through. That has definitely brought a lot of that into a lot of our lives because here's a brand new way of doing things and a lot of young professionals did not feel comfortable or at all qualified to be filling any whatsoever roles, you know, in those spaces and being open enough to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. Do you know more about this? And can we support each other through this so we can grow? together and not having the scarcity mindset with that where well if I help you now there's less for me and I'm right. not gonna do it right because that is so pervasive in some ways and I've seen it happen in you know places where like wait a second there's plenty for everyone you know and I feel like that's where also community comes into place right because yeah. if we're in community with each other it's harder to say no to helping someone versus I don't know what your, you know, secret agenda, meaning whatever reasons for asking is, what are your intentions, right? And I've seen beautiful things happen when those intentions are laid out on the table. We're here to support each other and we're here because we want to go together in the same direction. And there's plenty for everyone to be part of. Yeah. And the team at Twine has been amazing in that sense. And it's often easy to draw the line that like men have created this world and now there's no room for us, but there's also a huge crop of great men who 
will support you and they will teach you things. And I follow all of our engineering Slack channels, even though I have no idea what half of them are about, right? And our CTO is a perfect example of someone who is really willing to help and wants to see women succeed in the company. And it's just more, I would say more us putting our name in the ring versus men keeping us out, right? It's, it's a little bit of both, but the first step is us also being there. There's a really great speaker, Alison for Gail, who talks about if you fell down a well and you sort of are like part of an oppressed, the oppressed society, marginalized population, you would hope that someone comes along to help you out of the well, but you also wouldn't just sit in the bottom of the well waiting for that, right? So there's something to be said about starting to claw your way out of that thing until someone comes to help you out. And that's the part we have to do as women, right? Is put your name in the ring, apply for the thing, get the seat, sit down in that meeting, force your way into things, even when you don't feel like you belong. And then the men who want to support you, they'll bubble to the surface and, and they'll help. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson for women who want to get into technology is just don't be, don't be afraid that you aren't qualified. Love that. Now, in closing, one last question in closing, because we're still closing, but eventually. <laughs> we will close Really good. <laughs> we will, for sure. What skills would you say then that event professionals should potentially focus on or work on in 2023 in order to thrive? This is a good question. And back to that tool belt analogy that we had is, I think, critical thinking about the trends that you see, the fads that we see in the industry, the things that we see the pendulum swing so far back and forth, virtual, in-person, hybrid, being able to decipher it fact from fad and fiction, I would say, has really helped me through my career, just being able to carve through the nitty gritty, get to the bottom of things and focus on the core principles of what you're doing. I think critical thinking event planners and anyone, right, is important, especially with the generation of all of this content that's coming out that maybe it's written by a robot, maybe it's not, to just really dig into, is that true? Can I verify that? Can I make sense of it for my client? And then the skill of being able to build trust virtually. So now you're likely meeting with everyone online. You're likely connecting on Zoom before you meet them in person. Building relationships, building trust and becoming that trusted partner virtually. I think that's a really good skill for anyone to be working on, especially event planners, as you try to become trusted advisors for your clients. Can they trust you without being able to shake your hand and look you in the eye? And then like always, just sort of staying up to date on the evolutions of your toolkit right? Your tool belt. Don't force a bajillion tools in there. You don't need 19 different types of screwdrivers, right? But be aware of like what is evolving when it comes to the screwdriver and, and how can I use that for my clients? Stay up to date, listen to podcasts, follow the people that are putting out good content on that. But the, the biggest thing is just like, don't get too overwhelmed with all of the noise. <laughs> like I said earlier, you know, you've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it for about 15 and the fundamentals of what we do haven't changed that much. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance around it sometimes, but the fundamentals are still there. So, so stay focused on the fundamentals. And I think that those are the things that have gotten me pretty far in my career as an event planner. And I suspect in 10 years, I'll stay, say the same things, even though all of those tools will have evolved, right? For sure. And I think, you know, it's hard with critical thinking and this type of discernment that you alluded to, because especially if you haven't made some of the mistakes or haven't experienced some of the things that a lot of the veteran event professionals have to have that discernment, like you have to have some type of background experience to lean on, right? Like how can you fast track that? And maybe it is like you mentioned, uh, stay connected with the right thought leaders in your space or ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask the questions, even yeah. the questions that might be like, oh, this is, sounds like kind of stupid. Like, I don't even know if I should ask it. No question. It's a stupid question as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and if anybody thinks that it is, I'm sorry. If somebody has to be thinking about this, if it's on my mind, I'm not the only one that must be so out of whack, you know, yeah. asking this. And social media is so powerful for that. Both GMID Goes Virtual and Event Prospering shit started from me just putting out what could seemingly be a stupid question on Twitter, right? Where I was like, can we do this? 
And why is everything so painful? Like, why can't we break this a different way? So you're right. Just ask questions, be open about it, be honest. You don't have to have all the everything figured out. And if you don't know, just say you don't know, right? Like, yeah, I think those are really good reminders. Absolutely. Well, where can our audience connect with you? And I know you mentioned Twitter quite a few times. So I bet that's the one main place that probably you hang the most. But anywhere else that our audience could potentially connect with you if they have one of those questions out of whack questions that they want to address. So in real closing, yes, I do hang out on Twitter. Real closing. Yeah, I do hang out on Twitter a lot. I'm also on LinkedIn. And then I'm just at Anne at twine.us or twine.us. So you can reach me at any of those places. I'm pretty easy to find once you, if you put my name in and events or twine, if you just put my name in, as you found, it's a very common Vietnamese name, but put in twine or put in event planning and I should pop up and yeah, always happy to talk about anything and, and everything relating to events or technology or bringing community together. Those are the things I'm quite passionate about. So well, and thank you so much for bringing your openness and authenticity to the conversation. <laughs> I honestly love that the most, the fact that, you know, you're not afraid to admit to the things that you're still learning about or the things that you're not a master of, which is amazing because none of us are really, if you think about all the things that we're doing. And I'd rather, you know, have a conversation with someone that doesn't have it all figured out than someone that has all the answers. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your willingness to have this conversation. I appreciate it very much. And I, I'm pretty sure that our audience has as well. And for anyone that has listened all the way till the end, thank you. It's <laughs> A longer than normal episode. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll just be my mom. The only person that's made it this far is my mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, probably my husband. No, actually, he doesn't. <laughs> All right. So just more Thank you so much, Anne, as well, for listening all the way till the end. <laughs> for everyone that might have dropped on towards the end, please do subscribe. Follow us on our brand new YouTube channel that probably has about 10 followers by now, one of which is me. <laughs> and <laughs> there we go. And don't miss out on what's coming up next. Thank you, Anne. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.